Father, we want to receive from you what you have for us today. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us in a way that only you can. Whether it's the words that are used or whether it's the words that you use in each heart, in each spirit, in each soul. Help us to be receptive. Let us receive from you what you have for us today so that your kingdom advances and you're glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk, the Lord just, he's been doing this lately. I'm, I, I, in my time with him, I'll hit a scripture and he'll just stop me with it. And so I have to deal with it. Like, and very often, it's right at the beginning when I start reading. You know, I have a certain amount that I try to read every day, and every once in a while, I, I get a few verses in and just stop right there and don't get any further. And, uh, and I'll get to the verses later. I won't get to them right away, but um, <laughs> it has to do with the power of the gospel. And it's something we've talked about before, and it's something that I really feel strongly about, but it's one of those things that can kind of get out, get out of your mind, you forget about it, and you need to come back to it every now and then and remind yourself. So I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 9 and look at this story. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. So go to the next slide. This is just crazy. I just was looking for something that would have a guy on a stretcher. So imagine, they find out Jesus returned from across the lake. He was in a boat, came home to Capernaum, his hometown. That's where he normally stayed. And some, some men brought their friend on a stretcher, on a, actually literally means a couch, or it might say a mat in your, in your scripture, and they brought him to Jesus, and Jesus saw their faith. He said he saw their faith. He perceived their faith, okay? All, all, I don't know how many there were. I mean, anytime you see that depicted in children's pictures, there's usually four of them, right? Four guys. We don't know how many. We just know that some friends brought this guy. And so they bring him. Of course, he's actually moving, which the guy didn't move because he was paralyzed. But um, he got a good expression there because they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then a whole other thing starts to happen. And I'm wondering what he's thinking. He said, Wait a minute. I didn't come to get my sins forgiven. I came to get healed. Right? Have you ever prayed and asked God for something and he doesn't give you that, he gives you something else? Or he answers another question. Like, like, like he has ADD or something, but he doesn't. You know, God, God has his purposes and he has his plans. And so this man, these people come to him and they say, okay, they don't even ask anything. He just perceives their faith. He says, your sins are forgiven. 
And then it goes into this discussion, verse 3. At this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home, and when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. And so what we're seeing here, we've used this scripture before to talk about the fact that, that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for forgiveness of sin, but he also paid for our healing. But we see another thing that we can see in this portion of scripture is that there's a power in the gospel, there's power in the gospel. God intends us to understand that there's a power in the gospel. We're going to look at some other scriptures for us to understand that, and we need to understand that for, for a couple of reasons. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. This is another portion of scripture that I really like. And this is this is the uh, this is the scripture that stopped me this week. As for me, brothers, when I arrived among you, it was not with surpassing eloquence or wisdom that I came announcing to you the previously concealed truth about God. For I had decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Yeshua the Messiah, and even him only as someone who had been executed on a stake as a criminal. Also, I myself was with you as somebody weak, nervous, and shaking all over from fear. Can you imagine, Paul? Have you ever shared the Lord with other people and you were nervous and shaking with fear? Okay, so Paul felt that way too. So it's okay, right? It's okay. And neither the delivery nor the content of my message relied on compelling words of wisdom. What, what is he talking about there? Neither the delivery nor the content of my message relied on compelling words. In other words, he was, to quote uh, the way that Will Davis would say it, he was making a hash out of it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was this super wonderful message. It's the, he was nervous. He was probably maybe stuttering. I don't know. He was having a tough time. But he said, that didn't matter. Neither the delivery nor the content of my message relied on compelling words of wisdom, but on a demonstration of the power of the Spirit, so that your trust might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, what stopped me and I've probably known this before. It was a message that wasn't about man's wisdom or words of wisdom, but on a demonstration of the power of the Spirit, power. But it was verse 5. So that your trust might not rest on human wisdom or words, but on God's power. Your trust might rest on God's power. That's what it's saying that your trust would be in God's power. 
You ever think of it that way? I'll tell you something. That's not the gospel message that I was taught when I was a kid. Was it? Was it? Was it the? I mean, for those of you that are older, been in the church for a while, was it? Was that the message? Was that the gospel? That it should be on God's power. That one of the foundations of our faith, of our trust, is it is God's power. I mean, you kind of know that, but you don't think of it that way. And it's not words. And so, what am I? What? What's the? What's the point? Is it that we we need these magnificent displays of who knows what? Well, what are the demonstrations of the Spirit's power? I'll tell you what. It can just be that still small voice that the Holy Spirit speaks while we're dealing with somebody where he puts his finger right on something and they come undone inside. You don't even see it happening. But it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power, touching somebody deeply. You see, we want, we want the Spirit's power working through us, but when we, when we speak, we have to use words. We have to use words. Uh, I mean, we can do actions. We can do random acts of kindness and those kinds of things. We need to speak words, but it needs to be in our minds that what we really need is a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what we need. That's what we need. That's what Jesus did. That's what, that's what happened here. He comes into this man who's on a stretcher, and the guy wants to be healed. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Okay, but that's not why I'm here. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk so that you know that the Son of Man has authority, rise up and walk. Demonstration of power. So demonstrations of power can be healing. They can be manifestations of power. They can be supernatural things that happen. just praying and singing that song, wanting revival. God, pour out your power. Pour out your power. We need his power. We need more of his power released through us. It's available to us. We need more of it. Out in the foyer, on the opposite wall of the clock, we have a verse. We have it painted up there. I kind of wanted it there so that when I come into the church, I see it to remind myself. But you know what? You can come in and just ignore it after a while because it's just same old, same old from time to time. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. Whose idea is it for this power business to be involved? Whose idea is it? It's not mine. I like it. But it's God's idea. Power. There needs to be a release more and more of God's power in everything that we do, everywhere that we go, in every conversation that we have. We need to be mindful of, we need to be thinking about the fact that there is a spirit of the living God, the spirit of the living God that's inside of each one of us. And that power is looking for an outlet to touch people. And so sometimes we have the tendency to think that, well, who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. So let me ask you, I'll, I'll, I'll quiz you. We're going to do some numbers. You ready to do some numbers? This is easy. I can even do this one. What is zero plus ten? Ten. Good, good. It was not a trick question. <laughs> 
Zero plus a hundred. Zero plus a million. Okay, what's zero plus infinity? Infinity. You get the point? Us with the Holy Spirit in us is infinity. Okay? That's the reality that we have. Potential. Potential for us is for the infinite God to work and move through us. So what we have in the two passages that we looked at is that Jesus demonstrated the power and authority of the kingdom. What we have with Paul is Paul's telling people that, listen, I came to you Corinthians, but it wasn't with persuasive words, although Paul could be persuasive. But he knows where the reality is because, and we know it too. We know it very well. If you have someone that is opposed to your opinion about something and you try to argue them, argue with them to change their mind, if they're very set in their thinking, you won't change their mind. There needs to be some kind of dynamite there to move one of you, right? There seems to be a lot of disagreements today and a lot of different things and a lot of anger displayed all over the place. And what do we need? We need the demonstration of the power of God through his people that will bring change in people's minds and in their hearts. We're dependent. We are dependent on his power. We need his power working through us. And so what Jesus did is that he was demonstrating a new level of authority in a lot of things that he did. His authority over the demonic realm, his authority over nature, calming storms and his authority in the physical realm when he multiplied the food, the bread and the fish, and all those things that he did. He was demonstrating a new kind of authority. In Acts chapter 4, this is another familiar verse. We've, We've mentioned it many times. After some of the disciples had been arrested and put in prison, kept overnight, and they were released in the and the religious leaders threatened them, said, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And in Acts 4, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, they wanted to be able to speak words, but they wanted the demonstration of the power by healing and by signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. And then when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, that's interesting. They were filled with the Spirit before, weren't they? Hadn't they received the fullness of the Spirit before? And here it happens again. Gee, maybe they're leaky like we. They were leaky like we are. We have to be reminded again. We have to be reminded of the pursuit of what we're really after. And it's greater intimacy with the Lord so that he can work through us. But they went to him and they said, Lord, they're threatening us. So give us words, but give us boldness and give us miracles and signs and wonders. Give us that power, which is the dynamite, the dunamis, that will dislodge ideas and thinking in people's minds and hearts so that change can come, so transformation can come. So 
So a little further in that same chapter, Matthew chapter 9, it says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. That word sinners... In the Greek, it's the Greek word hamartia. And the first definition it, it gives, or if you look in uh, Scripture for All, which is the Greek translation, sinners is the word, are you ready for this? Missers. M-I-S-S-E-R-S, missers. <laughs> and sin, which is another form of the word hamartia, is to miss, or we've been taught to miss the mark. The mark is perfection. And so Jesus was eating with Matthew and all the other missers. <laughs> what? Miserable missers. Yeah. And Jesus said, I've come. Not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. And that word repentance is metanoia. Which means to change your mind. And you can read all kinds of things online about that, that phrase, change your mind. But if you have a true change of mind, your behavior changes too. If your mind actually changes towards something, it affects your behavior. And so true, true repentance, now some people try to twist that and say, well, you know, you, you have to repent, which means you need to change your behavior. No, you need to have a change of mind so that your behavior changes. And so sometimes the emphasis has been on changing behavior, and the heart doesn't change, or the mind doesn't change, and that's really... That's just a smokescreen. But how do we get people to the point where they actually change their mind? The power of God. The power of God. That's what changes people's minds. And so when I talk to people, I am depending on the Holy Spirit to work in those people that I'm talking to, and I'm, I'm conscious of my words, and I want to use the best words I can, and I want to be as convincing as I can be, but if I'm talking to someone, counseling someone, what I'm really doing most of the time, if not all the time, is, Holy Spirit, give me the words that they need to hear. What is the key that unlocks the door for them? What will release your spirit's power in this situation right now? What can I do? What can I say? How can I be sensitive to you to release what needs to be done so that they can be set free, so that their mind actually changes? I can, you know what? I know 
I know lots of things. <laughs> I, I, about Scripture, I know lots of things about the way people should respond to the Lord. I can, you tell me what your issue is, I can give you a list of ways to just deal with that. I can give you verses, I can give you concepts, I can give you principles, I can give you all kinds of things. You'd be amazed. I'm amazed sometimes, right? I'm amazed sometimes at the things that I know and that I can spit out there. But if all I'm doing is spitting out my knowledge, I'm just clouding the issue. And I may be confusing the person more than I should be rather than getting right to the point and say, Lord, what is it that they need to hear? Help me to say that one thing. And very often in those sessions, sometimes I never even know what it is that I said that touched somebody's heart. But something happened because I'm walking in dependence on the Holy Spirit to do that. And so there needs to be an awareness. And I'm not saying that I've got it all down perfectly. I'm just telling you that I've, I've been down a lot of different <laughs> roads and tried to live a lot of different things. And I know that it's the Holy Spirit that works through me. It's his power that works through me. Okay. It's his power that works through you. He wants all of us to be in that place where he can be pouring through us his power, his power for the sake of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel of Christ is the power of salvation. There's that word again. There's that word. We need to not be afraid or ashamed of power. We, not, we, we, we don't have to run away. Matter of fact, we need to embrace it more. An understanding of God's power. There's a spiritual power that heaven wants to release to us more and more and incrementally and in great doses in different ways to bring understanding to us so that salvation can happen. We want to see revival in our region, in our, in our country, in, our, in the world around us. We want, to see, we, want, we want to see God's kingdom advance. We want to see people actually getting saved. What does salvation mean? Do anybody know what salvation means? Primary word. The, pri <laughs> the primary definition of, of salvation, when you look it up in the Greek, is deliverance. And then salvation, which has to do with welfare, prosperity, deliverance, preservation, safety. What do people need deliverance from? From an old way of thinking. There needs to be a change in their minds to a new way of thinking about God and about themselves and how they get to where he wants, to be, wants them to be. And so it's deliverance from the power of sin, from the presence of sin. It's deliverance from old habits and patterns that keep dragging them into the mud and the muck and the mire. There needs to be deliverance. But how does that happen? Does that happen by your clever words or my clever words? Oh, my goodness. How, how many have, of you have ever tried to witness to somebody that's kind of stubborn, doesn't want to hear about the things of the Lord? How does that go? 
You ever try to argue somebody into the, to the kingdom? You ever try to argue somebody into salvation? It doesn't work. But I, so anyway, this whole thing about, I, I read the, those verses in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, it says that uh, our faith, our trust needs to be in his power. So I had this little discussion with the Lord then. You ever have discussions with him? Okay, should I go here? I'll I'll go here. I say, okay, God, you made me stop right here again. I couldn't get past this verse. I'm reading this verse, and you highlighted it, and I couldn't get away from it. I have to deal with it. Your power. Your power. So let's have, I had an argument with God. You ever have an argument with God? A good argument. Not like I was mad. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to bring my facts, and you bring your facts, and we're just going to have at it, okay? You ever do that? Did you or not? You ever do that? I know who's going to win. I know who's right. I know. But it's like, okay, you're telling me this, I want to see more of it. I want to see more of your power released. You're telling me that that's what I need. You're saying that the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation. You're telling me that Jesus, what he did is he demonstrated the authority of the kingdom by healing, and people then listened to his message. He told the religious leaders, he said, if you don't believe my words, then believe the things that I do. And so I'm, I'm like, God, why are you, why are, why are, why are you nicely? Why are you putting your finger right here with that verse saying, power? And I can feel so many times so powerless. You feel that way? Like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? So I know you're all waiting for the answer, right? It's walking in relationship with him and letting him develop that in you as you grow and mature. And it's always being reminded of the fact that that's how he wants to work. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to give up asking him for a revelation of his power, an outpouring of his power. We sing about it. But I need to remind myself that everywhere I go, everything that I do, everybody that I speak to, that I want his power working through me because I want his spirit to influence the people around me. I want there to be... a an overflow of his life through me touching other people. The problem is we can shut ourselves off from that. We can shut ourselves off from the, from the flow of his power at times just by not thinking about it, not being aware of it, just 
ignoring or, or forgetting or getting distracted by other things. And I think that, that, that sometimes, here's where I need to repent, where my thinking needs to change. When I hear people, different people from time to time talk about, we need to share the gospel, we need to witness, we need to win the lost. That's true. But I need to say to myself, what I need, what I need in response to that is I need a greater revelation of his power through me. I run into people, some pastors and some people, they're just evangelists. You ever run into a person that's a pure evangelist that loves to share the gospel and their whole life is share the gospel, share the gospel. And if you hang around with a little bit and have a conversation, they make you feel bad that you're not witnessing to everybody. You ever feel that way? Feel bad that you're not witnessing to everybody because they do or they try to? And I'm just not like that. And so, so sometimes in settings like that, when people start talking that way, I kind of look someplace, for someplace to hide. Like, you know, please don't call on me. I'm just going to sit over here in the corner. And, um, because I'm, I, I just I don't work that way. Uh, believe me, I've tried. I've tried. I've even gone out with people who witness didn't turn out well. Um, and it's not about witnessing the way we thought, but it's about sharing the love of God with his power. And say, so God, I just, however you want to demonstrate it, we need the power of God just to love. Just to love. The way he did. We need power just to forgive those people who drive stupid. I mean, it goes all the way from the big stuff all the way down to the little stuff, doesn't it? Really, really what it does. It, it has to encompass it all. Anyway. All that to say, God, we want more of your power. The disciples asked for it, and you poured out your spirit on them. And the place where they were meeting and praying was shaken. And so we want more power. And Lord, we know that your power is already in us, you're resident in us, there's infinity inside of us, but what you want is for us to let it out. Let it out. So, Lord, bring us to a place of repentance in our thinking so that we understand that you're already there. It's already there. It just needs to be released. We need to be conscious of what you want to do through us, and we need to be in tune with you, listening to you, so that we can release the things that you want to release through us. Wherever it is, whatever it is, however it happens. And it's not about us, it's not about our words, it's just about our willingness to allow you to do it through us. But it's always about you and your power. So Lord, even now, more, just more, more. More, more revelation, more impartation 
of your Holy Spirit. Let this place be shaken. Let us be shaken by your power. In Jesus' name.